0: We're in the midst of a series called God Is, and we're in uh, looking at some of the attributes of God. We've looked at God as real in the first week. We've talked about how God is eternal or omnipresent. we talked about how God is omniscient. He knows all things. And this week, we turn to another topic, and that is that God is all-powerful. When you think about the God of the universe, and you think about the fact that he created the sun and the power of the sun, you think about the power of the galaxies and how he set all those in place and the planets, and God created gravity, I mean, he is incredibly powerful when you put all that in perspective. I mean, we might think about here on planet Earth, some of the things that are really powerful, like nuclear weapons. You know, the bomb that they dropped on Hiroshima all those years ago decimated everything, like disintegrated everything with like a one-mile radius of where that bomb had dropped. And there are bombs on the Earth today that are 4,000 times more powerful than the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima, and yet those are like sparklers, right? In the hands of God, when you think about all that God has created. So this is our subject today, is to talk about the power of God, that God is almighty. Our scripture comes from Daniel chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, you can flip over there to Daniel chapter 4. We'll be reading just a couple of verses. Let me give you just a little bit of introduction as to what's happening in these verses. This is, these are the words of King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylon during the height of Babylon's empire. This is when their borders were the most expanded. This is when their, their, uh, their, uh, their bank accounts were the most uh, filled. This is when gold was flowing all through Babylon. This is the height of Babylon's power and prestige on the planet. And King Nebuchadnezzar was the king during that period of time, but God humbled him. He sent him outside to eat grass. Uh, king Nebuchadnezzar kind of got into the state where he believed that he was a cow, And his nails grew long and his hair grew long. And uh, after that time, he was restored. And then he makes this confession about who God is. Remember, this is the most powerful man on the planet making this confession. So let's stand together, read King Nebuchadnezzar's confession about who God is. All right. Daniel chapter four, beginning at verse 34. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven and my sanity was restored. Um, we'll just kind of touch on that verse and a few, a bunch of other verses here as we move through um, this subject matter today. You say, well, first of all, Gordon, what exactly does it mean, this term omnipotent, or that God is omnipotent? Well, again, it's a Latin term. It's a compound word from the words omnis and potens, so to be omnipotens means to be all-powerful. Omnis means all, and potens means powerful. So it's this idea that God has unlimited strength, that God has unlimited power, that God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, to whomever he wants, for whatever reason he wants, and wherever God wants. God is, as the Bible says, almighty. God is all-powerful. Now, the Bible declares that God and God alone is the omnipotent power in the universe. Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1, God said to Abraham, he said, I am God almighty. That is, that God is omnipotent. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 32 and verse 27, God said to Jeremiah, I am the Lord, the God of all, mankind is anything too hard for me and then God uh, said to uh, when Sarah laughed at the prospect of having a child at 90 years of age God's response was very simple he said Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14 is anything too hard for the Lord that he can even cause a 90 year old woman to have a baby after getting a crash course in the omnipotence of God we just read King Nebuchadnezzar saying Daniel chapter 4 and verse 35 the Lord does as he pleases with the power of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can say to him, or no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you, God, done? When Mary reacted with shock to the news that she would have the virgin birth, the angel Gabriel was unfazed, and he said, Luke chapter 1 and verse 37, he said, for nothing is impossible with God. And then Jesus himself said, Luke chapter 18 and verse 27, what is impossible with men, Y'all might not be able to make this happen, he said, but it is possible when you have the God of the universe on your side. All things are possible with God. And then finally, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 6. The hosts of heaven are up in heaven and they're singing praises to God. And here's what the hosts of heaven have to say. They say, hallelujah. That is, praise the Lord. Why? For our Lord God, omnipotent or almighty reigns. And yes, he does. Now, as followers of Christ, We live in a really tough world. I mean, it's a dog-eat-dog world out there, right? It's either bite or get bitten. I mean, it's a lock-and-load kind of world that we live in. And in a world like that, the most important truth for us to remember of all the other attributes of who God is is this attribute right here, that God is all-powerful. You say, well, Gordon, why does it matter that God is all-powerful? Why is that more important than God being all-knowing? Why is that more important than God, uh, you know, being omnipresent, where He's everywhere. I mean, what, what makes this one so much more important than all the others? Well, think about it for a second. If if the God of the universe um, is holy, but He doesn't have the power to do anything about our sin problem, then what good is He? If the God of the universe, just the same, is eternal, but He doesn't have the power to direct eternity, then what good is our God and His promises? Without the omnipotence of God, God can pretty much not do what he says that he can do. And so this is the most important uh, of all of God's attributes. Now, there are a lot of people in our world that have this view of God that would say that God is actually not all-powerful. One of those is Rabbi Harold Kushner, and he wrote in a book several years back ago called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Uh, Kind of a catchy title, right? When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And here's what Rabbi Harold Kushner had to say, and I quote. He said, God wants people to live peaceful, happy lives, but he cannot always arrange that. God does not want you to be sick or crippled. He didn't make you to have this problem, and he doesn't want you to go on having it. But he can't make it go away. This is Rabbi Harold Kushner saying this. That is something which is even too hard for God. And then he goes on to say, here's what my book has proven. He says, and I quote, we have a good God, but one who is not totally powerful. Now, I would like to respectfully disagree. With the rabbi on what he has to say here and what i think this book proves is that you can write any kind of theological trash that you want and people will buy it if you put a catchy title on it i think that's what it is your best life now i mean whatever the book may be um okay that came out a few years ago y'all didn't think that was very funny but anyhow you say gordon wait a minute what proof is there i mean that's nice for you to say these things about how god is all powerful god declares that he's almighty the bible declares he's almighty the biblical authors agree with this but i mean what proof is there that god really is omnipotent that god is all-powerful well there's three proofs that i'd like to give you that point to the fact that god is omnipotent and the first of those is creation itself you know as human beings that if we were to try and create something we need wood we need concrete we need steel we need some materials some raw materials to be able to create something we need some clay we need some paint if we're going to create something we need raw materials. But when you look out at the expanse of space and you look at the fact that we live in this world with all the material stuff around us, whether it be on the earth or out in the expanse of space, all of this did not just come from nowhere. Like it it, it it had to have some source, some origin. I mean, we can we can create something from something, but the stuff of the universe, I mean. It, you know What was its origins? Where did it begin? And so what we see here is that there's a God of the universe behind all of what we see and that he, as the Bible said in Genesis chapter 1, spoke into existence the things of the universe. That is, God did what we can't do. God created something, the world we see, he created something out of nothing. And so when we recognize that God, that all the stuff of the universe is here and that it came from somewhere, it had some source, some origin, and that God is that origin. God spoke it into existence. And so there we see, by looking at the heavens, by looking at the world around us, God's omnipotent power on on display, that God spoke into existence stuff that did not exist. He made something out of nothing. Um, Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 26 recognizes this. Isaiah writes, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these things? And Isaiah says, I'll tell you who created all these things. He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Now the second proof of God's existence comes, uh, the first comes from creation itself and recognizing that all this came from something, that, that God created something out of nothing. And the second thing are by looking at God's mighty deeds throughout human history. You say, mighty deeds like what? Well, mighty deeds like Noah's flood. Mighty deeds like creating the world that we live in. Mighty deeds like parting the Red Sea and causing manna to fall from heaven to feed the Israelites when they're out in the desert. Stuff like shutting the mouths of lions for Daniel and sending down fire from heaven for Elijah and the virgin birth. Stuff like Jesus healing the sick and raising the dead and feeding 5,000 people from five loaves and two fish. Uh, Stuff like Jesus' own resurrection from the dead. All of this, all of these miraculous works eyewitnessed by people, recorded in the written word of God, all of these things confirm uh, that God is omnipotent. We see God's mighty deeds on display. Remember what the disciples said when Jesus um, calmed the storm on the Sea of Galilee with just a word. They said, who is this man that even the winds and the waves obey him? Well, I'll tell you who he is. He's the God of the universe, the omnipotent, almighty God. A third proof for the omnipotence of God First is creation, second are his mighty deeds, and the third is our physical bodies, our human bodies, like literally the flesh and bone in which we live. Psalm chapter 139 and verse 14, David writes these words. He says, I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. David recognized that just the complexity of the human body and how remarkable it is and the function of the human body is enough for him to be in awe of, of his creator. Um, I, was, uh, t- I was riding down the road uh, talking to my daughter the other day. She's got ninth grade biology class, and I said, What are you studying in class these days? And she said, Enzymes. I said, Ooh, enzymes. Enzymes are pretty cool stuff. Some of, we have a few doctors in here, some internal pe- medicine people that know some stuff about enzymes. Enzymes are remarkable in the human body. There's over a thousand enzymes in the human body, and each enzyme, these are these are protein molecules. Each enzyme has specific functions that it is responsible for. And like no other enzymes can do the job of these enzymes. Like pepsin, pepsin does what pepsin does. It helps with the digestive system. And we have enzymes that allow us to breathe. We have enzymes that keep bacteria from entering into and, ca- and causing problems in our lungs. We have enzymes that help digest certain foods, certain carbohydrates, certain sugars, all these sorts of things. And what enzymes do is they speed up the process of of creating whatever it is into energy. They, they move that stuff along. They, they're like a catalyst uh, for that kind of stuff. we got one biology teacher back over here, I just noticed, and she knows a lot about enzymes. They're a remarkable stuff, right? Enzymes are incredible, um, the complexity of this. Without these enzymes, friends, flying around in our body and doing what they do at just incredible, insane speeds, we couldn't move, couldn't breathe, couldn't digest food, couldn't do all these things. And if you believe that random chance put all of these enzymes in our body and allow them to function the way that we need them to function and that all of this just kind of, boom, all happened all at one time, I mean, this is, this is, this is that's an impossible thing to even think that that's, that, that could have happened. Rather, what you conclu- conclude what the biblical authors uh, concluded, and that is that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, that this organiz- organize- the organization of the human body being finely tuned apparatus that the result, that rather it's the result of our Creator, and that is just one system in all of the human body. I mean, again, if one enzyme was to say, I just don't want to work today, we get sick. I'm, we might get very dead. If one of the enzymes said, I'm, just, I'm done, I just don't really want to cooperate anymore. I mean, that's how important these things are to our body. Let me say that if you're here today and you'd say, Gordon, you know what? I'm not a believer, I'm not a Christian yet. Well, friends, if you just go outside, you look at the stars of creation, you consider the deeds of God throughout human history, you look at the complexity of the human body, the complexity of any living organism, friends, when you consider all of that, there's just no place to land if you're an honest person. If you're an honest person, there's just no place to land but that there is a creator behind all of this who set all of this organization into place and everything is exactly fashioned and, ha- and um, cooperates as it's supposed to. So if you never trusted in Jesus in a real and personal way, then I want to encourage you to acknowledge his presence, embrace what he did for you on the cross, and begin a real and personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Okay, well, let's summarize what we've talked about so far. This is the omnipotence of God. That is that God has the power to do whatever he pleases, with whomever he pleases, whenever he wants to, and wherever he wants to, and for whatever reason God wants to, that is the omnipotence of God. Uh, There is no force on earth that can withstand him, nothing can thwart him, no one can say no, God is omnipotent. His word declares it, and his actions prove it. Okay, well that's our treatment of the topic today of God's omnipotence. Hope you have a little bit better understanding of what that is. And uh, so that means it's time for us to ask our most important question. It's the question we ask every week around here. Everybody doing okay? Here comes that question. You ready? This is the one you've been waiting on. You got done with the science lesson, got done with the theology lesson. What difference does all this make to my life, right? I got bills to pay. I got kids to get off to school. I mean, how does any of this affect my life today? What difference does this make to me? Well, that's a really good question. Let's see if we can answer that. What the omnipotence of God means is that I can trust God with any issue. That's what it means. It means that there is no problem that I can face that God cannot handle. It means that I will never come across a problem that God is incapable of dealing with because God is omnipotent. I don't care how impossible the situation is. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, that God can't deal with. What does the Bible say? It says, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. Friends, if we get to the place where we really believe this in our heart, deep down, in our mind, in our soul, friends, if we get to that place, that's when we begin to see God work in our lives. And so that's my question to you as followers of Christ. What are you believing right now for God to accomplish in your life? Like what's on your list of God? This is what I'm leaning on you. This is what I'm counting on you to do for me in my life today. And because, friends, he is an omnipotent God, and not to come to him with stuff on our list is kind of like an insult. He's an omnipotent God. He's our father. He loves us. He cares for us. And he wants to do for us. Friends, we need to have something on that list. Whether it's something with our grandchildren, our family, with work, it doesn't matter. Something ought to be on that list. If not, then we are robbing God of his potential showing his glory in our life, revealing his power in our life. And friends, we don't want to be caught doing that. Now, there's something else that I want to tell you about what difference all this makes. And that is, after 20 years now in ministry, I have observed that most Christians do a really good job, myself included, of trusting God in the crises of life. Right, We rally to the cross when there's stuff going down. But we don't do so good of a job trusting in God for just the everyday small stuff. Like we rally to our own resources, we rally to our own strength, we rally to our own ability to handle a situation or to deal with it, rather than going to God and asking God for the small stuff. Here's what I mean. This has been several years back ago. I was attending an evening service for college students, and there were several hundred college students there, and we had the Music all set up, and the speaker was ready to speak, and we're like five minutes to go time, right? And uh, we got our audio video guys in the back, and somebody comes to me, hey, Gordon, the projector's not working. And I said, well, that's not good, because, like, that's all of our music, nobody's going to be able to sing along, we don't have handouts or anything like that, and um, what are we going to do? So we went back there, we checked all the plugs, we were unplugging, replugging stuff in, looking at the bulb, taking it out, putting it back in, trying it, nothing was working. Couldn't get the projector to work. One of the guys picks up the projector and says, in Jesus' name, (laughs) Lord, you know we need this thing to work. And I'm not kidding you, a couple of us threw hands on this guy's shoulder and we were like, Lord, you gotta make this thing work. I mean, it's all on the line right here. We, We planned, we made all these plans, we're ready to go. He sets the projector down And guess what happened? The light came on. Not kidding you. True, absolutely true story. See, God cares about even the small potatoes little stuff. He cares about when you lose your car keys. You ever prayed about losing your car keys? I pray about when I've lost my car keys. God helped me to find my car keys. And God helps me find my car keys. God's concerned about us getting the right classes that we need for our scheduling at school. God cares about our mortgage payments getting paid. God cares whether or not your car's going to crank. In the morning, God cares about the trees in your backyard not blowing over when a hurricane comes through, or at least not hitting your house. Friends, these are the small kind of stuff in our life that God cares about, wants to hear from us about. Try it sometime and see if you don't find your car keys. Right? When we do this, friends, we please God, we honor God, because we give Him a platform to show His power in our lives. You say, Gordon, wait a minute. Does this mean that God will do whatever I ask him? (laughs) Like a little magic fairy dust, right? He's just going to sprinkle it out and make all things well. Does that mean that that's what God's going to do? That God's going to, he's going to give me whatever I want. If I ask him, if I go to him in prayer, if I ask him for it, is that what it means? No, that's not what it means. God is omnipotent enough, friends, to do whatever we ask him to do. But he's also loving enough, just like you with your children, not to, to give us whatever he asks for because perhaps it's not his timing perhaps because there's some more lessons that we need to learn perhaps because he has his purposes and his will that he's still trying to accomplish through our situation in our lives and so because of that sometimes God in his omniscience does not uh, resolve our problems perhaps in our time and at the timing we want but friends as we were singing this morning He has never failed us yet. God in his timing will answer your prayers. So let's conclude. Knowing that I have an omnipotent God gives us quiet confidence with which we can face every obstacle in life with other peace and without fear. Did you know that over 60 times in the Bible, God says, fear not. Over 60 times. He says, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. Why? Or how do we get to that place where we're not fearing anymore? When we know that the God of the universe, our God, is omnipotent. When we center our minds on the fact that he can handle whatever it is that comes our way. Nothing can withhold his hand. Or as Jeremiah 32 verse 27 said, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is anything too hard for me? Friends, when I find myself despairing, and sometimes I do, when I find myself discouraged, and sometimes I get that way, I remember the words of Scripture, I am the Lord, the God of all mankind, is anything too hard for me? In Luke 18, verse 32, Jesus said, what is impossible with men, doesn't look like it's going to work out, is possible with God. And if I'm despairing, you know what that means then, friends? It means that I've forgotten who my God is. I've taken my eyes off of his omnipotence. I've taken my eyes off his ability to walk me through, to get me through, to handle the situation that I'm dealing with. I've taken my eyes off of that. And so I need to remember that my helper is omnipotent. And so for many of us here who have difficulties in our life and a lot of obstacles in front of us, and a lot of negative things impacting you right now, the solution to the despair and the anxiety is very simple. It's to remember who your God is, and the scriptures declare it all over the place. He is almighty. That's who he is. And friends, when we put the almighty God up against whatever it is that we're dealing with, we recognize that we don't need to be fearful. We don't need to be anxious. That God has it all in his capable Let's pray. Lord, we thank you again this morning for reminding us who you are. And Lord, sometimes we just need to quiet our hearts before you. Gather ourselves in your presence. To be reminded of your great love, to be reminded of your great mercy, to be reminded of your great power. God, there is no obstacle before us that you cannot overcome. And so we invite you, Lord, in these quiet moments, we want to faithfully pray that, Lord, we want to knock on heaven's gates, that, Lord, you would act on our behalf, that you would bring healing, that you would allow us to overcome, and more important than anything, that you would give us peace and calm in the midst of our storm. Lord, we submit ourselves to your presence now. We pray this in Christ's holy name. Amen.